0: If you'd like to open your Bibles, I'd like to encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. We've been doing a series on the book of Matthew. And Bill, our local Gideon, made the comment that if I preach the the greatest sermon ever preached, that there are people in our community who aren't going to hear it. Well, Bill, I wanted you to know that I am preaching the greatest sermon ever preached. Today, I am. I'm preaching the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. And those of you who are regulars, you know this. I'm preaching the greatest sermon ever preached because it's not my sermon. Okay? I am preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon of Jesus. And so actually what it is, is it's going to be a slightly above average sermon on the greatest sermon ever preached. It's a slightly uh, above average sermon because it's about slightly above average people that I'd like to introduce you to. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to a slightly above average couple, uh, and their names are Drew and Samantha. Uh, Drew and Samantha, they have two slightly above average kids, one five, one three. They're they're cute kids, like all kids that age are. Uh, they have they have a, a slightly above average home in a slightly above average community, and they have a slightly above average mortgage that goes with that home. Uh, they have two car payments, not huge, but slightly above average. They have some credit card debt, not huge, revolving debt, but slightly above average. And, and, and they have, uh, and, but they are people who are generous, slightly above average in generosity over the average American. The average American gives 2.6% in charity every year. They give 2.7. And they feel pretty good about it. They give to things to help people like people who are victims of the of the campfire. actually, at their church when the Gideons come, they'll make a slightly above average donation to help with Gideons. Uh, they give slightly above average to their church. And their lives are what? Slightly above average. Slightly above average. That's right. You know, things are, are pretty good for them, seriously. Things are pretty good for them. And so one day, one day, Uh, Drew comes home early. He comes home early, something he's never done before. And when I say he comes home early, he comes home at 10 in the morning. And when he comes home, he has this look on his face of, do not talk to me, do not ask me, leave me alone. He goes straight to his kitchen. He goes straight to the refrigerator. He opens it up. He reaches in. He pulls out a six-pack of beer, and he goes to his backyard. The first two beers, they go down pretty fast, pretty hard. The empty cans are thrown out into the middle of the backyard. The third one, he's drinking a little bit more slowly. Uh, there is on his face uh, pain, fear, uh, anxiety, concern. Now, something that I want you to know about Drew and Samantha is they've never been the fearful type. They've never been the type to worry that much. Uh, they've never really had... A lot of reasons to worry. Because for them, life has been pretty good. It's been pretty much golden. And so, he's back there rubbing rubbing his, his forehead and finally, Samantha can't stand it anymore. She has to know why Drew's home. She has to know what's happening. And so, she gets the courage and she walks outside and in as gentle of a voice as she can, Uh, she says, is everything okay? Drew, not not trying to be mean to Samantha, but just in a very cross, in a very sarcastic and cynical way, says, would I be home at 10 in the morning if everything was okay? Okay. And so Samantha finds the courage, and she says, what's wrong? And Drew says, "Uh, I got laid off today. Now, for Drew and Samantha, they've never really worried before.
1: They've never really
0: been afraid before, but they've never had a mortgage before. They've never had two car payments before. They've never had two children that they have to provide for and to care for and take care of before. And suddenly, for the first time in their lives, they begin to feel some fear. They begin to feel some anxiety. And they're not sure of how to resolve the challenges they're facing. What does God have to say to people like Drew and Samantha? What does is, what is, what is Jesus have to say to people like Drew and Samantha, what does he have to say to us about things like material possessions? What does he have to say to us about money? And what does he have to say to us about about things like money and material possessions when life is good and everything's going great, but also when life is really, really hard and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills? What does Jesus have to say to us? And so what I want to do is I want to share with you four things that Jesus says to us about money and about material possessions that I think are really important. The first thing is this, is your first priority and how you use money should be to store up treasure in heaven. Your first priority. Why do I say it's your first priority? Because it's more important than a mortgage. Why do I say it's your first priority? Because it's more important than a car payment. Why do I say it's, 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 it's your first priority? I say it's your first priority because it's more important than going out for a nice dinner. It's more important than anything else you will ever do with your money. And these are the words of Jesus. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth... Where moths and vermin destroy. Where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What did Jesus say? Store up yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy. Where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Why is storing up treasure in heaven, so important. Well, well. first of all, everything we have is subject to loss, isn't it? Ask anybody who lives in paradise. Everything you have, everything I have is subject to loss. I, I believe it's really wise and prudent to invest towards the future, invest towards a, a future retirement, things like that. But did you know that every investment you make is subject to loss? Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, we could go through a downturn in the market, and there could be... Huge losses and money that's been invested. Did you know that the home that you've bought, that you look to and that you think has a measure of value in it, did you know that's subject to loss? I mean, last year, last October, I don't know if you remember the fires that were here, but the fires that were, were sweeping through Sonoma County and Napa County and into Solano County, and it was coming up over, and with the firefighters, I talked to some firefighters immediately after the fire at our, uh, at our pumpkin festival or at our fall festival. And when I was talking with those firefighters, they told me that that fire was supposed to blow right through Rancho Solano, where some of you live. It was supposed to blow right through Rancho Solano, and it was supposed to go all the way to Chuck E. Cheese. And what I said is, why couldn't it just hit Chuck E. Cheese and leave the rest of us alone? (laughs) But folks, we could have lost everything. Like some of you, our car was packed. They were telling us we needed to be ready uh, to leave. We were told that the the, the winds were going to pick up. The winds were going to pick up. They kept saying they're going to pick up later this afternoon. And then they said later tonight, in the middle of the night. They kept telling us the winds are going to pick up. And you know what happened? We prayed. We prayed. And God listened. But you know, sometimes the winds do pick up. They do. sometimes people go through great loss and they lose everything. See, everything I have and everything you have is subject to loss. But when we lay a treasure in heaven, you know what the Bible tells us? It says moths and vermin cannot destroy it. Thieves cannot steal it. I, it it's not subject to loss. I had a car one time that was stolen. But it was worth, well, it, never mind. Uh, it, it, was, it was time to be stolen, okay? So, I mean, but everything we have in this life, in this world, is subject to loss. But everything that we store in heaven, treasure in heaven, is 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 safe forever. But but people, that's not why. That's not why Jesus says store up treasure in heaven. That's not why he says it. He said, "Well, yeah, it is, Gary. He just said that, that treasure on earth is subject to loss, and treasure in heaven isn't." No, 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 that's not the reason. The principal reason that Jesus is telling us to store up treasure in heaven. See, the reason this morning you need today. You need to start a brand new habit of storing treasure in heaven. The number one reason why you cannot put this off is because what Jesus says. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, wherever I'm laying up treasure in my life, whatever I'm investing my life in, whatever I'm giving my attention to, whatever I value most, that's what I love most. What I need to love more than anything else, and more than anyone else, is God. See, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, the reason that Jesus is saying, destroy treasure in heaven, it's not like God's hard up on cash. God's not hard up on cash. If God were hard up on cash, he wouldn't call you. He wouldn't message you on Facebook or email you. If God needed money, he wouldn't call the United States of and say, hey, could you put in a little extra cash for me? See, everything I have, everything you have, it comes from God. Yes, amen. See, see, God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So how do we do this? How do we go about being rich in God instead of rich in the things of this world? How do we lay up treasure in heaven? And I'm going to say it's just like this. It's real simple. Invest in kingdom causes. Invest generously, sacrificially, joyfully with a worshiping heart. Invest in kingdom causes. And you're like, Gary, what's a kingdom cause? A kingdom cause is is, is stuff like the Gideons. Donating five bucks that, 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 that puts the scriptures in the hand of another person. What's a kingdom cause that we can invest in helping with, with, with next-gen churches and, and working together to plant new churches and, and, and working together to meet the needs of people in the campfire? What's a kingdom cause that we can invest in? Invest in your local church. Find a church, not three churches. Find a church and get invested. Get invested. Don't just go to church. Don't pick three churches. Don't pick four churches. Pick a church and make a commitment. Why? Because people who make and keep commitments grow. And, and make a commitment and commit yourself and give generously and give joyfully and give sacrificially of your time. Make a commitment and serve children in our children's ministry. Make a commitment and help with our worship team or with greeting people on a Sunday morning. But give give generously, joyfully of your time. Give generously, joyfully of your money. Give generously, joyfully. Joyfully, of your of your gifts and your abilities, but give and lay up treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Second thing that Jesus has to say to us about about things like material possessions and money, and and that's this: is that when it comes, did I read the scriptures? Yeah, I did. I said, do not strip up for yourself treasures on heaven on earth. Where moth and Malt and rust, vermin destroyed, but where fees break in still, but store up treasure for yourself in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But secondly, is this, is that when it comes to money and material uh, possessions, be careful what you focus on. Now, you, you say, Gary, what do you mean by that? When it comes to money and material possessions, be careful what you focus on. I'm going to reread that, that one verse again, verse 21. For where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's the context. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus has just said, store up treasure in heaven. And now he says this. Sounds kind of like a strange phrase to us today, but it had a great significance and importance, and people understood exactly what he was saying 2,000 years ago. Jesus says this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, interesting word, hot blue, healthy. If your eyes are healthy, hoplu, it means to be, it means, when we're talking about healthy, it means not just, you you know, you go to the doctor and you don't have cancer. We're not talking about that. It means to to have this vigorous, to have this, to have um, energy, to have life in its fullness. And, And the Greek word actually has a connotation of generosity. See, if your eye is healthy, if it's generous, uh, if it's full of life, then your whole body, and the whole body here representing uh, of life, then your whole body, your whole life will be full of light, light, everything that's, that's good, everything that's, that's right and good. If the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, uh, your whole body. Your whole life will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And what Jesus is saying here is, He's saying, keep your eye healthy, generous, and your life full of light. You know, when I was a boy learning to play baseball, I wasn't as good as Brian. Actually, we we had the church softball team. His dad was an incredible uh, shortstop. He was, he was fantastic. When we had a short softball team, they would never let me play shortstop. Uh, I wasn't as good as Pastor uh, Pastor Hart. But when I was growing up playing baseball, I was taught to what? Keep your eye on the the ball. Yeah, some of y'all, you were taught the same thing. Keep your eye on the ball. What do you do? You, You watch the ball into your glove. What do you do? You watch the ball to your bat. What do you do? You watch the ball and you don't get hit in the head. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. There's a principle in cycling. Some of you all know that I like riding bicycles. Uh, I like riding road bikes. I love uh, getting out on the road and out, riding out through the vineyards and stuff like that, except when it's smoky. Uh, I also enjoy a little bit of mountain biking, but my biggest accidents on a bike have always been on mountain bikes. I hit a tree one time, hard, real hard. I still got a lump on my leg last December. Uh, but but uh, what, what I've learned from cycling is this, is it's good not to hit trees, okay, that's one of the things I've learned. It's really good to avoid trees. It's really good to avoid cars. But the way you avoid hitting trees, except for not riding bikes at all, that sometimes is a good idea. But but the other way that you avoid hitting a tree is if you're riding on a single track, on a narrow trail like up at Rockville, and if you're riding on a, a, a very narrow single track and you've got, you've got a big rock right here and you've got a tree right here and you don't want to hit either one of them, what you do is you stare at the rock. Just kidding. You, you, you stare at the tree. No, no, I'm still kidding. You, you don't stare at the rock. You don't stare at the tree. What you do is you look at the line. See, when you're mountain biking, you look for the line. There's a line that you want your bike to follow. And, and there's a, a truism in cycling, is that your bike follows your eyes. If you're trying not to hit the rock by looking at the rock on a narrow trail you're probably going to hit the rock or the tree. If you're trying to, to, to miss the tree because you're, you're, you're looking at the tree and, and you're trying to avoid it, you'll probably hit the rock or maybe you'll hit the tree. But if you're looking at the line, you'll almost always follow the line. I say almost always because last year my bike didn't follow the line <laughs> and I hit the tree. So, uh, but the, the thing is is that we've got to be careful what we focus on. Okay. We've got to be careful what we focus on. In the spiritual world, whatever catches your eye tends to capture your heart. Did you know that? Whatever captures your eye captures your heart for good or for bad. So train your eyes to be generous and healthy, and your life will be full of light. Number three, third thing that Jesus talks to us about here, third principle is this, is that you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. what, what, What Jesus says in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, there are a lot of people who don't believe this. There are a lot of people who say, well, no, I think you should be able to do both. I, I think you should be able to, 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 you know, why, why, I mean... I know that Jesus says you cannot serve two masters, but, but why not? And so what they'll say is, well, I'm going to serve God on Sunday, but I'm going to serve my career the rest of the week. Does that happen? All the time. I'm going to serve God on Sunday, but I'm going to serve my career the rest of the week. Or they'll say things like, you know what? I'm going to serve God with 10% of everything I make. I'm going to serve God with 10% of everything I make, but I'm going to serve myself with the other 90%. Does God promise to bless that? Does God promise to bless that? Now, some people, they will serve God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Those are not my words. Those are the words of Jesus. See, what Jesus says is you cannot serve God in money. Now, some of you, you've heard this before but I'm going to say it again because it's worth saying. A few years ago, there was a guy named Bob Buford who uh, at the time was a very, very wealthy businessman. Today, he's in heaven. He's with Jesus. Uh, Bob's written a book called Halftime. His book came out of this life experience, but he made a lot of money in communications. I actually met him uh, back when I was in Dallas when we were starting a new church there. But, But Bob started a ministry called Leadership Network. And what he wanted to do is that, you know, he was a pretty gifted leader. He was a very, very talented leader. Uh, at the time, he was probably the wealthiest man I'd ever met. And, uh, and, and what Bob wanted to do is he wanted to take all his gifts and abilities in the business world, and he wanted to take that and teach and train pastors with some of those principles to help them in the ministry world. And so what he did is he was meeting with this guy. Who was kind of like uh he was a consultant and he was a uh uh a, a strategist and he had worked with a lot of really, really large companies, and he was very expensive, and he was an atheist. So Bob was meeting with this guy and he was asking him how he could leverage his business to make more money and then leverage his gifts to train pastors to become better leaders. And what this what this atheist said to Bob is he he drew a box on a piece of paper, and then he did this. He put a dollar sign right there. And then he did this. He put a cross right there. And what this atheist said, Bob, what you have to do is you have to decide what you're going to put in the box. You're going to have to make up your mind what you're going to put in the box. You're going to have to make up your mind what your life is going to be about. And then I'm really good at helping people put together strategies. And I can help you reach your goal. You can put Jesus in the box, and there are things that I can do that can help you. I'm not a, I don't believe in Jesus the way you do, but there are things that I can teach you that can help you grow as a leader so that you can train pastors to be better leaders. Or you can put the dollar sign in the box. And I can help you make a whole lot of money. I've done it with some other companies. But you have to decide what goes in the box. Interesting, interesting counsel coming from an atheist. Sounds a little bit similar to Jesus when he says, um, you cannot serve God and money. By the way, you can have a lot of money and serve God. Bob Buford did it. You can be dirt poor. Uh, excuse me, you can make a lot of money serve God. You can have no money and serve money. Your life can be all about money when you're dirt poor. But you have to make up your mind what your life is going to be about. Is it going to be about Jesus or is it going to be about money? fourth thing that Jesus says to us today about money is this. is what Jesus tells us. He tells us to replace your worldly worries with holy ambition. Now, this is a really hard word. This is a really, really hard word if your name is Drew or Samantha. Because right now they're afraid of losing not one car, but two cars. Right now they're afraid of losing, possibly losing a home. They have about a month, about a month of living expenses in the bank, meaning that if they don't find a job in a month, they they are in serious trouble. Now, it'll be a while before they lose everything, but they are they are in a place where they have the possibility of losing everything. It's really hard to trust God when you're facing great loss or if you're in the middle of great loss. But what Jesus says is he says, replace your worldly worries and your worry about the things of this world, replace that with holy ambition. What does Jesus say? Verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. If your Bible's open, underline those words. Underline those words. Circle that word worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying, circle that word worry, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can you? Has worry ever done anything good for you? Has it improved your life in any measure? See, worry does nothing for us. It doesn't do anything for us. You know, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. I did something this morning while I was eating my Cheerios uh, before I came to church. I was thinking about this text. And I was thinking about this text. And in my backyard, there's a little little cluster of apples. I was out there talking with a buddy of mine in my backyard the other day, and I was I was talking on the phone and there were some apples and I was just kind of kicking them along, you know, kind of like playing soccer. And I made little made a little, you know, little pile of apples there. And so this morning I was eating my Cheerios and I was looking out there at those apples and I was thinking, you know, you really need to put those in the trash can. You know, you need to get rid of those. You know, it's not like a monument to Gary, alright? Uh, a monument of apples, alright? And, and so I'm looking out there and I'm looking at these apples and about that time I see a little bird fly down. Little bird flies down and he starts pecking away at one of those apples. Just starts pecking away at it. See, he didn't harvest those apples. He didn't gather those apples. He didn't put them in a barn. But his heavenly father was feeding him. And then he flew away. A few minutes later, he flew back and he ate a little more. <laughs> Brought back a couple of buddies. Uh, you know, what Jesus says is he says, do not worry. And then in verse 28, he says this. Why do you worry? Circle that word. Why do you worry about clothes? You ever worry about clothes? I probably should worry about how I dress, but I really don't. My wife dresses me on Sunday, so I don't, I don't get in trouble. <laughs> Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow's thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. Circle that word worry. So do not worry. Underline that. Do not worry. Saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Please underline those words. See, there is an ambition for you. A holy ambition. Seek first. Don't worry. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry. Underline it. Do not worry. Jesus is trying. You know what? Have you ever had to tell your kids more than one time to do something? Why do you have to do that? Why? Because they don't listen to you the first time. The second time. The third time. Why does Jesus have to tell us, do not worry? Do not worry? Do not worry? Because we don't listen. And folks, has worry done anything good for you? But seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that's where life is at. It's a holy ambition. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, Jesus isn't saying we shouldn't have a rainy day fund. He isn't saying that we shouldn't plan for the future and plan for future retirement and invest for that. But what he is saying is that your life should be about something more than just getting ahead financially that you need a holy ambition. You need to give your life to a holy cause of following Jesus. And you need to give your life to a holy cause of living his mission in our world. Worry, worrying today about what might happen tomorrow, just steals our joy for today. And what it means that... I'm going to skip that. But, you know, what Jesus is saying, just seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness in your finances, in every other area of your life, and he'll supply your needs. What Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to lay up treasure in heaven. What Jesus wants us to do is, is God doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts, and so he, he tells us that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That, that what Jesus is, is, is encouraging us to do is, is, you know, pay attention to what you focus on. Make sure that your focus is healthy. Make sure your focus is generous and then your life will be full of light. And Jesus is telling us that, 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 that um, to, to not worry about tomorrow, but instead to make it a holy ambition to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all things. Let's pray. God, we want to worship you and we want to praise you. And we want to thank you, God, for how you generously supply all our needs. Uh we want to thank you, God, for uh just how you you I mean, for me, I've got I've got home, I've got cars, I've got clothes to wear, I've got food, and there are people today in paradise who've lost all of that. Uh Lord, my my prayer is you would teach us to be grateful for the ways that you have blessed us. And Lord, instead of making our lives more about the accumulation of material possessions that we think are going to make us happy. Instead, I pray that we'd make our lives more about following Jesus, seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness in all things. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.